Show with your host, Nigel Roberts. Hi, it's Nigel, and this is Staccato. Canadian classical guitarist and teacher, Dr. Alexander Dunn, has performed to enthusiastic acclaim in Canada, the U.S., Cuba, New Zealand, Mexico, Brazil, Southeast Asia, South Africa, and across Europe and Russia. Mr. Dunn has performed with many Canadian and U.S. orchestras. He's also an experienced chamber musician and is regarded as one of the finest performers on period guitars. Mr. Dunn currently heads what's considered one of Canada's top guitar programs. Well, first of all, we're, uh, we're talking with Dr. Alexander Dunn, head of the guitar program at the University of Victoria and the Victoria Conservatory of Music. Uh, Dr. Dunn, thank you so much for meeting with me today and for giving me uh, your time. I appreciate it. A pleasure to meet you. Um, my understanding is that the audience for guitar recitals is smaller today than it was in the 1970s when Segovia, Julian Bream, and John Williams were the dominant figures of the classical guitar world. But music journalist, composer, and performer Mark Small has said, in many respects, things have never been better in the classical guitar world than they are today, despite the slump in concert attendance and record company turmoil. There are now many more technically astonishing players, young and old, than before concertizing all over the world. As an active performer with a distinguished career teaching classical guitar for 20 years, and as an educator and competition judge, what are your thoughts about the state of classical guitar today? I'd have to agree with Mark Small. There, um, in the 70s, there were uh, a limited number of performers, high-level performers, but wider, larger audiences. And nowadays, uh, the, the people that are winning international competitions are uh, much younger, and there are many more of them. I would say that someone who won an international competition, say, 20 years ago, you now see in the junior level at, the, at uh, international festivals and competitions. So it's not unusual to see, say, an 11-year-old from Shanghai or uh, a 12-year-old from Eastern Europe playing at the level of, uh, beyond the level that Drew Bream and Williams and Segovia were playing in the 70s, okay. far beyond. Amazing. How old are they when they start? Well, I think um, this trend of, uh, that uh, good teaching has been spread throughout the world, so it's not unusual to, to hear high-level players from all corners of the, of the globe. So from uh, Canada and North America, from you know the bottom of Mexico up to the top of Canada, Europe, Asia, Australia, everywhere, there are very fine players, and they're getting younger and they're getting better. And I think it's because of the um, it, teaching has also improved along with the playing level. David Russell says we must not forget that the guitar is still maturing in the classical world compared to the violin or piano, the guitar is still in its adolescence. When I was a student at the Royal Academy of Music, Russell says, the guitar was not well respected. The violinists and pianists knew much more than us. It's not that way now. Guitarists in universities now know much more, or as much or more than any other instrument player. The young generation of guitarists now has more respect than ever. What are your thoughts? Oh, what Russell says is absolutely true. And I would say that Russell is right. There is an interesting trend with guitarists that because they tend to uh, live more in the 16th to the 19th century, and the repertoire, we don't have Brahms, Schumann, Mendelssohn, 
uh, Beethoven that the pianists do, and, and guitarists necessarily have to be good musicians in contemporary music, because there's so much of the repertoire is based there. Uh, for many classical guitar devotees, whenever and wherever any of the big three played, the concerts took on larger dimensions. Uh, they were events, a rare opportunity to spend a few hours in the presence of a legend. I can speak to that because I was able to see Segovia and John Williams and Julian Bream in their prime. Um, and David Russell has said that for an artist to succeed today, the strength of personality is probably just as important as proficiency on the instrument. That, that I found interesting. The big three had plenty of both and were able to draw guitarists and non-guitarists to their concerts and into the record stores to buy their albums. What are your thoughts? Nowadays, the, uh, as you remarked, the professional level is so much higher, virtuosity is, is quite standard now. And the things that people are playing now so easily, and at the younger ages were unthought un of you know, 20 years ago. Um, but along with it goes a kind of relinquishing of personality. Because the standard is so much higher and so much more uniformly distributed throughout the world, the personality doesn't always get through. And I would say that that's a, uh, it's a yes and no. It's a no and yes answer that personality is an exceptional trait to have, but so is virtuosity and, um, and, and playing skill. And the fact that people are playing a wider repertoire may be, may be uh, replacing the need for uh, uh, personality. What are some of the pieces that people are playing today that they wouldn't have dreamed of maybe another generation? It's not unusual to hear uh, young people playing entire uh, Bach lute suites, cello, violin, sonatas and partitas, the larger 19th century uh, sonatas, um, clusters of pieces by uh, respected guitar composers like Barrios or, or Monhon. That's quite usual. It, uh, to my mind, guitar uh, concerts sound like piano recitals, and they are not the big three uh, you know, focusing on Segovia's name, that was essentially a concert of encores. This small piece, that small piece, that no longer exists on guitar programs. They're much more mainstream, much more musical, and much more serious and larger concert items. And I think that's uh, a sign that guitar has matured tremendously. What do you think about the possibility of younger classical guitarists emerging with enough charisma and artistic personality to build a diverse, large, and loyal fan base as Segovia Bream and Williams did, and the idea of being a specialist today in the guitar world. Well, I think it's another sign that guitar has, has simply matured from the 70s. Um, I, I welcome the end of a tyranny, of ty the Segovia tyranny, and that um, it's much more democratic, and if there are scholars and specialists um, and people that study, that play period instruments in only Renaissance instruments, vihuela or in Renaissance guitar, they only play Baroque guitar and, and pluck string instruments from the, uh, from the Baroque period, they only play 9th century, that's perfectly fine, that exists in all corners of, the, of musicology. There are Baroque orchestras and harpsichordists and people that only play organ and such, so that's being reflected in the guitar world, I think it's a fantastic trend. Can I do a follow-up question? You mentioned the Segovia tyranny, and I know people like John Williams on the one hand, he was grateful for the encouragement, the support, and the teaching that Segovia gave him, but on the other, has been somewhat critical of Segovia. Can you explain what you mean by when you say Segovia's <laughs> tyranny? Well, Segovia was um, an overwhelming uh, presence in the in the music world at the time, and he he brought to the world. He was on a mission. It was a self-appointed missionary to bring the um, the message of the guitar to the world. But uh, along um, uh, at the same time, there were other people, very excellent players, Narciso Yepes, Aldonio Romero, and others that were doing the same thing, that were not 
uh, bound by this, uh, the same kind of aesthetic strictures that Segovia was, which was that he had a um, he wanted to bring contemporary music to the public, but it was only the contemporary music that he liked. So we didn't see Ravel, we didn't see Stravinsky, we didn't see um, Hindemith or any write any large scale pieces for the instrument, which is a real shame. Had there been somebody with more Catholic tastes who was a little bit more progressive in their thinking and that was not uh, in need of controlling composers financially or aesthetically, that we would have had a better repertoire from those, that period. What do you think is needed to maintain people's interest in the guitar today? Well, there's been an interesting trend with players. Nowadays, people uh, are doing very successful crossover projects and they're drawing from other languages. For Michael, of course, um, there's you know rock-based uh, language by series composers and all kinds of other styles, jazz and pop music has influenced classical music tremendously. So the cross-fertilization has been maybe most apparent in the guitar because that's, it had the least classical 9th century personality. Maybe the time of the grand masters like Segovia is gone, David Russell says. Maybe it was an era. Perhaps now we should be fighting to fill the 500 seaters rather than the 2,000 seater. I'd rather be in a, eight, a full 800 seat hall and a 2,000-seater that is three-quarters full. A full hall is best no matter what the size. But as a guitar master himself, is David Russell right that the time of the Grand Master is probably over? That's an interesting question. I'm not entirely sure what to think, because, again, because the level is so high, it's difficult to see through all the quality. This, the uh, concerts do seem to be smaller, but there are more players. So uh, to answer your question, I don't really have an answer. I think the guitar is on a path, and it's going to continue. So it's had its ups and downs, and, and Julian Bream uh, in the 80s predicted that the audiences may be shrinking. And his prediction uh, proved to be true, but who knows, in the future, they may expand. I'm, I'm hopeful. From your article, some personal reflections on a performing and teaching career in Canada. You wrote that perpetual first-hand exposure to the international guitar standard is essential. And I love this line that you used. If you never leave the small town of your opinions, one self-esteem can increase tenfold. This phenomenon is also true in other places where guitar, often studied as a painfully solo vehicle, with little connection to other instruments or voice, can impart a narrow musical worldview. The most effective anecdote is live exposure to excellence. And I was wondering if you could just expand on that a little. Well, I think it's, uh, it's important for guitarists because they spend so much time with their instrument themselves that it's... Uh, for them to become better musicians, you must interact with other musicians, singers, wind instruments, string instruments, ensembles, orchestras. It's absolutely imperative uh, for the musicianship of a serious guitarist to always be engaged with other people, regardless of whether you're able to travel from your own area, but to open your mind, it's, in, it's, it, it's absolutely uh, necessary to continue to be involved in ensemble situations and to place the guitar in the center of an ensemble situation where it's met with respect and musicianship and that then places it at an equal level. Um, and you also wrote that videos and internet do not exert the same learning power as personal observation. And I was curious about what your perspective on online teaching versus um, learning from watching a live performance with stellar players. Well, that remark was directed towards uh, YouTube videos and where young people will go study a video or a series of videos of the pieces and to try to extract knowledge from it. And it's a fantastic resource to have, but it's not the same thing as being there live, either either a concert situation or uh, in, the, uh, in the presence of a teacher. But online resources and um, uh, you know long uh, long term 
uh, teaching, I think, is fantastic, and it's a wonderful thing that people should take advantage of. If they're unable to travel to a center where they can hear a fine player, by all means, online resources are a fantastic tool. And because you actively play and champion chamber music with guitar, I was, and you, you may have touched on this already, but I was interested in your perspective as it relates to classical guitarists in a changing world. Well, the guitar itself has been changing physically in the last 25 years. When you look at the outside, it looks the same. But there has been dramatic change going on inside, and uh, there, are, there are trends that are, uh, were at first considered radical, uh, and now are accepted as the norm, and that includes lattice brace designs and double top instruments. And uh, for my taste, I've very much gone with the modern sound. Uh, I'm finding that a flata from the 1950s or 1930 Ramirez or Santos Hernandez, for me, those are now period instruments. Then they were they speak beautifully in a small room. They work well in, in small halls, but for ensemble situations, playing with orchestra, one needs a large, modern, bold sound. And it's become so, um, uh, you know, it's almost like Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> the Republicans are the ones that want the small sound, the small instruments. So I, it's, I find it's shocking that people won't accept uh, modern designs. It's been, it's, the guitar world is so conservative, there's been tremendous resistance against it. But at the same time, there's so much raw talent out there, from guitar builders, that they're producing fantastic instruments. I just came back from uh, the Sunshine Coast with a uh, modern uh, a double top guitar by Martin Blackwell that's an absolutely superb instrument. And for my taste, one of the finest builders in North America. Yeah. Beautiful, gorgeous, bell-like sound, tremendous volume, and uh, I will never turn back after playing modern guitars. Are you finding that, that your class guitar students, are they embracing the changes in guitar building technology? The young people crave the power and the volume. They've become uh, drunk with power when they play <laughs> the, the, the modern instruments. Okay. On a series of video interviews, William Kennengeiser said, I think the idea of the guitar, the classical guitar, is such an incredibly small niche market. There's virtually no opportunities for classical guitarists. You can't look in the newspaper and see in the classified section, wanted classical guitarist. And we don't even have access to symphony orchestra positions. There are some teaching positions, but they're few and far between. So anyone who's going to make a living as a classical guitarist has to create a market for themselves. They have to create a reason for someone to want to hire them and a reason for someone to ask them to teach or do whatever. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, Bill is right about that. It is necessary for people to teach in order to make a living. And to be a successful classical guitarist, you have to have tremendous focus and, and will to do it because uh, it's difficult to make a living based just playing classical guitar. Uh, some people branch out and play electric guitar, they become new music specialists, or they play other styles. That's all perfectly fine. I think there's no, there's no single way to do it. You just, if you have the love of music, you have the determination that somehow things will work out. Here's classical guitarists Alexander Dunn and Pepe Romero performing Rodrigo's Concerto Madrigal for two guitars. Thank you. 
back talking with Alexander Dunn. Can you discuss your approach to teaching classical guitar? I like to say that I look for the strengths in each individual and allow those to blossom. When you first meet with a new student, do you assess what they need to learn or do you work on the areas where they say they need help? Well, new students often say things that (laughs) may not always be uh, the best thing for them. So I I listen and uh, try to learn from them and also direct them in, in, down a path that will enable them to play well without physical um, hindrance. What do you believe are your strengths as a teacher? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I'm known as a technique Nazi. <laughs> I read that. <laughs> so I, I suppose people think that I'm very um, uh, strict about technique, but I try to find enough flexibility in their approaches uh, so that they still can retain their own path of development, but at the same time, lead them down that path effectively. Canon Geyser also talked about choosing to pursue a career in music, and he said, I remember Pepe Romero. A long time ago, when I first started, he said, the greatest guitarist makes about as much money as a mediocre doctor, so don't do it for the money. And this echoes what you said. But he said, if you have to do it, you must do it. And so the reason to do it is because you can't see yourself doing anything else. Which is almost word for word what Leonard Bernstein once told aspiring musicians. Your thoughts? That's a beautiful statement. Uh, Nothing to add to that. Do you think classical guitar students are prepared or not prepared for the tough job market they may someday face? Well, I don't think they're in largely not prepared because schools uh, don't offer a curriculum that that will tell them what happens in the real world. Marketing themselves, uh, being able to realize their projects and have something, um, you know, a physical product that goes with it, a DVD, a recording, a video recording, something like that. It's difficult. They'll study in music in school, they'll come out with a degree, and then, then what? Now what do I do? It's a very difficult situation for people. When it comes to recordings, the big labels were unrivaled for promoting artists and distributing the recordings. Now today's youth have gotten used to obtaining music for free. The record business is in a freefall, David Russell says, and I found this fascinating. If classical sales are really down, the companies wonder why they should put on a record. When I wanted to record, they were concerned with how many would sell because they are a business. I'm sure that young artists will still want to have their playing recorded, Russell continues. When you play a concert, it remains only in the memories of the audience. It's a happening, a moment. Making a recording is a chance to do your very best. But Anna Vidovich enjoys playing live far more than making studio recordings. Times have changed, she says. Yes, you can put out a recording, but people like to see as well as hear. I'm more interested in making DVDs. On them you can achieve an interview and a photo gallery. I like to record CDs too, but to be honest, I'm not a, pla- I'm not a fan of playing in the recording studio because there's no audience. What's your perspective? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing to say. Well, some people are more comfortable playing concerts and in, in, in being in a recording studio, which is a very high-pressure situation. But nowadays, people are so visual-oriented. That they have, that they expect that there'll be a video component to a performance, especially young people. If there's not a YouTube video of it, then they find it difficult to sit through and listen to a 20-minute piece. 
So uh, it may be that because we're so visually oriented these days that people expect and need that component. Um, one question about music students, specifically guitar players that, that you meet, are they really good at sight reading when you encounter them? Generally not, although it's getting better. But I was delighted to learn that uh, pianists, singers, and harpists are terrible sight readers too. Oh, so, oh I by, didn't know by, that. <laughs> by that. I meant that I, you know, when I was a student, I thought that everybody's sight reading was would be amazing except for guitars. Because I started um, with piano and music analysis right away, sight reading for me was not an issue. And reading in different clefs and transposition and those skills were. But nowadays, most guitarists don't possess those skills. If you ask them to read in bass clef or alto clef, or to transpose on, on sight or to sight read something with an ensemble, they'll really struggle. But they're not alone. I would say that um, you, they have to be in love with the music that they want to play. And they have to, there has to be, the music has to call them. You don't choose to play the instrument, it chooses you. And if you're open to that and you allow it to happen, you'll experience success. If there's resistance, I don't want to play this, I don't like that, I don't want to play this way, then oftentimes people will end up not following through with their dream. Thank you to Dr. Alexander Dunn for talking with us today. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Staccato, please share it with your friends. In the next episode, we'll be talking with BC singer-songwriter and recording artist Elder Sister Plum. Staccato Show with your host, Nigel Roberts.